things I've thought about coming on here, change the subject. Very different from my original podcast where I came in with two-page agenda. I only really had one thing that if I could stress to anybody out there that's fighting the battle, it won't happen in one day. What's going on guys? Welcome back to another podcast of Silencing a Stigma. We have a revisitor here. We have Mary and we have Ross. Welcome back. Thank you. Yeah, glad to be back. So I put a post out there, who wants to come back? And Mary raised her hand and I was like, yes, because I've been following Mary on Facebook and she's got a great story. It's been a year, you said almost a year. Almost a year. I think three weeks from now would have been when I put my heart out there and told my whole story of my life and my struggles with mental illness and self-medication through an awful lot of wine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Today I am, I think, 630 days sober. I'd have to check my little app counter on my phone. but 20 months, I think it is. As you said, you posted on Facebook the other day. Yeah, well, Sunday check-in for the rest of you out there if you follow recovery elevator which does a podcast they have some other programs i love every sunday they have sunday roll call both on instagram and facebook okay it's like one of the most exciting things on my sunday it's like when's it coming when's it coming because they're on the west coast so okay. when i'm up at eight o'clock in the morning they haven't posted yet so you just feel really good that every week you can check in and you can kind of celebrate with everybody else out there and you know is it like a group that all celebrates together or is it just across the whole country? And... It's the whole world, actually. Oh, it's the whole and world. just people can say, hey, I made it or, you know, I relapsed, but I'm back on day five or, you know, whatever. It's just a good thing to say, hey, I'm here. I'm still here. Yes. Um, you said that's recovery media? recovery elevator okay so because their thing is you you took the elevator down and you got to take the stairs back up that's awesome so there what's their podcast on just recovery topics on recovery or ideas or yeah it's all about recovery they have some other programs too um like retreats and i don't know if you want to call them classes but things like that that's awesome. And Zoom sep- meetings. September's National Recovery Month, so what a great way to. I know. End I didn't. This month. You wasn't didn't that? aware of that, and a longtime friend of mine. I get this package, and I'm like, I didn't order anything from Amazon. Like whatever <laughs> I got, Ross is saying yes, she did. <laughs> whatever I had ordered from Amazon had come, and I see this package, and I'm like, what in the heck is that? And here I open it up. And a girlfriend of mine that's just been a little bit of a background cheerleader had sent me a whole variety of the Fever Tree tonic waters. Okay. Which are great you when like? you're looking for something else. I don't, uh, some people don't like the concept of alternatives in drinking. But if I'm going to go to a picnic or a bonfire... You know, the water just might not be cutting it or the iced tea. You know, what is wrong with the Canada Dry Ginger Ale Bold or I take a tonic water or a non-alcoholic beer? Some people find the beers very 
triggering. And I mean, to everybody, it's personal, but mm-hmm. um, I find them to be very helpful for me. That's but, good. Um, we just went in a big pathway. <laughs> no, we're fine. No, that's 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 what we do here. So, yep, National Recovery Month. So, congratulations yeah. to Mary. That was the whole reason she sent that to me. Was a happy, happy sobriety day is inside the recovery month. Yeah, because we actually talk about it all the time, overdose and things like that, and people that relapse or whatever. But we never really celebrate. In the news, anyway, we never really celebrate the positiveness that there are people that come out of this and and can can continue their life. So, I'm day six twenty nine, according to my app counter. That is so great. Six. So you were. I was just listening to the podcast that we did last 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 year. Actually, it was September twentieth, twenty twenty, and you were two hundred fifty eight days in clean so that's a good accomplishment it's been a journey and there's um you don't do it in one day oh there is no way there's a lot and it's a struggle some days and other days you feel really good and there's moments that you're just like i can't even drive by the liquor store (laughs) you know it's just still i gotta take another route home yeah if i'm really stressed out and there's still been once in a while I've had to call Ross and say you need to talk to me the entire time I'm driving from driving from the job site to home um I do feel like in my whole journey over these days I have a tremendous support group and you also have to be brave enough to reach out to your support group there's nobody out there that wants you to fail everybody wants you to succeed they want you to be living your best life and it and that's what you need to strive for too. If you um, go for your best life and you need help, it's not being weak. It's actually taking care of yourself. And I think for women, especially because you are trained from day one that you're the nurturer, you're the caregiver, you have to make sure everybody's okay before yourself. It's very hard to be like, I just can't do that. I can't cook dinner tonight. My day was enough. I just can't do it. It's going to trigger me to want to be drinking. I don't know. Eat some cheese and crackers or whatever. (laughs) And that's been really hard for me to learn because of all the, my family background and the societal programming. That's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to make sure everybody lives in my household gets fed and to say, I can't do that right now to take care of myself was a huge paradigm shift. It's just, and you're comfortable doing that now. It's still a little weird, but I'm getting better. So those that haven't listened to Mary's first story, um, and correct me if I'm wrong from memory, Mary used to love to cook with her wine mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at dinner time. That's when she drank her wine and cooked. And you kind of just sort of mentioned that now is you're still cooking. You still, are you enjoying cooking more? Because back then you were not enjoying it as much, but now. Um, I've struggled with the cooking. Um, and I think some of what I touched on that this is a, a kind of ingrained have to in our society. That was definitely part of it. And then, 
the creativity that I'm blessed and cursed with, <laughs> you know, it's not just a grilled cheese that's coming out for dinner. The grilled cheese has got to have bacon and caramelized onions and the mustard and, you know, put under the press. And I can't manage to just make a hot dog for dinner. Like, I feel like I failed when I do that. I failed. So trying to, um, create a balance that I'm not cooking to a point that I'm then hating the cooking, which would then trigger me to drinking. We just had like perfect. It's funny that you mentioned this perfect episode. So Tuesday Ross scores, I don't know, two dozen crabs free steamed cooked. They were great. Well, he and I cannot physically eat two dozen crabs and it's just not possible. So these crabs left and I'm like, well, I can't throw these away. You know, the frugal living that, mm-hmm. um, trying to not be wasteful. And I didn't really want to pick them all, but I couldn't just put them in the trash. So I end up trying to pick these crabs the same day that I have my granddaughter <laughs> and my mom's visiting and four interruptions and almost three hours, three and a half hours later, I have finally got one cream of crab soup. (laughs) And I told Ross, if I was still drinking and that occurred, I would have drank to the point I didn't even remember eating dinner. I would have been in a blackout by that point in time. I was so angry at that soup. (laughs) I didn't want to eat any of it. (laughs) So... (laughs) If that occurs again, I have permission from Ross and now I'm given to myself, throw the daggone things away. It does, it should not take me three hours to make the soup. But anyway. If um, I can add something to that. Um, you know, in this process, that little example, and uh, you have to learn what your triggers are. And I, oh, yeah. I'm sure we talked about that last couple podcasts and, you know, with 620 plus days, we're still learning that. Mm-hmm. And you have to be really in tune with what your triggers are. And Mary, being a little more vocal than she used to be, she explained to me how she was feeling. And I, I am pretty good at recognizing the triggers because I'm the outside looking in. Okay. And uh, that's what I told her. I said, look, Mary, when you're feeling that bad about that job, yeah, just quit. You know, stop doing it. Um, and, you know, she was worried about what her mom was going to say because she's a frugal individual. Oh, my mom was visiting too. Yeah, you, know, you said. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> I said, you could have just put them down and wait for her to leave. Mm-hmm. And then we could have thrown them away then. Uh, yeah, we don't like to waste food. But then I put it into perspective. Okay, those came to us free. Mm-hmm. Somebody that I know caters and, and makes crabs. And I told her, I said, you would not believe how many crabs get thrown away. Weekly, daily. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that I'd want to contribute to that, but your your mental health and well being, it, it's just not worth it. Right. So, um, the the trigger thing is a big deal, and and it's it's ever learning about what those are, and and then you know trying to figure out all right, how do I recognize it, and what do I do after? Mm-hmm. I recognize a, it. Creating a solution. 
And sometimes the first one you try doesn't work or it sort of works and you got to tweak it a little more. (laughs) But it's not a perfect path. So I guess I have a question. When we talk about triggers, are they the same triggers all the time or do you get rid of some triggers you can handle some triggers and you create new triggers with new situations or do they just carry along with you Mm. i think the triggers are things that would have pushed me to drink a lot okay previously you know when i was active and sometimes they come out of nowhere and I don't really think there's new things that trigger me. I think there's things I've experienced before, like a really awkward social situation or encounter with people that's stressful. I mean, we all have them, but because I chose to just drown dealing with them, I'm learning now the coping skills to be able to adequately handle those kinds of situations even if i handle the situation how i'm feeling internally can still be trigger triggering as to the the upset and all of that after the fact and i've been pretty much a go-getter most of my life and a lot of that has triggered a lot of drinking Cause you're so up all the time that you got to bring yourself back down. And I guess my bipolar played into that too, but schedule management is a huge problem for me because I want to pack three <laughs> days worth of stuff into six hours. My sister teases me all the time and she's like, not everything takes 15 minutes. <laughs> um, so my therapist, one of her suggestions and it, it, helped a lot well, I guess there's two things but one of them was everything on my schedule schedule it twice as long as I think it's going to take and then I'll build in some cushions so I did that for a while and then I reverted back and the the other exercise that she and I came up with together and I think we did this like six months ago was Ross to help review my schedule oh that was painful <laughs> <laughs> Ross I'm in well, we went every yeah. 15 minutes from the minute I woke up <laughs> well, till I went to bed. And that's how it started. I, you know, Mary wasn't really realistic from then, from the time that she got up. And so I, you know, that first time we did that exercise, it was like, okay, Mary, you get out of bed, write that down, get out of bed. Okay. You're brushing your teeth, taking the shower, or you're going downstairs and making lunch and, or, you know, and, and you're, by the time we got to lunchtime, I was aggravated. Well, she was <laughs> aggravated, but she learned something. Yeah. You know, she's like, "Oh my God, I didn't realize that I was doing this much, or that it, yeah, I had to leave that much time for each one of these things." So, um, I thought it was eye-opening. Maybe it was aggravating, but it, it, I thought, I think that was the beginning of her, really starting to manage her time a little differently. So, and if I could go back to the the trigger thing real quick, uh, you know, triggers are sights, sounds, and feelings. And it's like post-traumatic stress. I mean, it doesn't matter what it, 
you, and you never know when it's going to mm-hmm. come. Mm-hmm. So you might see something that triggers you. You might hear something or you have a feeling that came up in the past that is a trigger. So I think if people would recognize those three things, and I can give you a quick example. I know, I don't know, this might make Mary cringe, but I did something just the other day that I thought was going to be a trigger because she asked me not to do it once before. And we were out and I came home and I took my belt off and I took it off real fast. And if you take your belt off real fast, it makes a funny noise through your belt loop. Slap, 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 slap. And she told me once before, don't do that because that reminds me of something bad that Mm -hmm. happened to me as a kid. And, And I did it without even thinking and I heard the sound and that was actually a trigger for me because of what she told me. I don't know if you heard it. Thank God. Well, you <laughs> know, her head now. We've, all these years of marriage, you have that selective listening thing. Yeah, well. And I think I got a little hearing loss coming around. So. Well, the In moment that situation, I, great. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the moment I did it, I thought, oh, God. Uh, she asked me not to do that. and uh, But those are the types of things that are triggers, you know, that you really have to pay attention to and learn uh, what what can take you down the rabbit hole. So Mary talked to you about the crab situation. You explained it to him. Can you identify when she's triggered by something without her even saying something to you? Um, sometimes. I mean, probably a little bit better now, but it is always better. I, you know, Mary and I have been married for 20 years want to be 29 years here good job good great that's awesome <laughs> that's awesome you can come out with a great year <laughs> and uh i've told her probably for 29 years i'm not a mind reader <laughs> it's just you know you you think you can always read somebody but you can't you know especially when they really bury their feelings with substance abuse or or whatever and uh i mean i i probably with the crab thing i could i mean i knew when i brought him home she was not happy about it and i was like (laughs) really wasn't wasn't in her schedule (laughs) it was not in my schedule bingo (laughs) i'm like and they take a while i know i was all excited i thought We, I don't haven't had crabs all year, and somebody okay. gave me, you know, and they're expensive this year. Absolutely. And somebody gave me two dozen, and I thought, oh, that Mary's gonna be so excited, <laughs> and we're gonna go home. And I even offered to come home like on time early, and we could sit together and pick these crabs and have a good old time. And well, that didn't go over so good. <laughs> all right. Well, you did have a. Ultimately, it was good times. Yeah, she... Not exactly. After she questioned where they'd been for the last 24 hours. (laughs) Well, yeah, I was a little concerned about, oh, free crabs and food safety. Are these going to make me sick the next day or whatever? That's that's a good concern, especially with seafood. Yeah. Um, One of the things I thought about coming on here, change the subject, uh, that very different from my original podcast where I came in with two page agenda 
I only really had one thing that if I could stress to anybody out there that's fighting the battle, it won't happen in one day. You're going to go through these phases. And I think I didn't go through rehab, so I don't know, but let's just say there's somebody who went through rehab and they're posting. I have like three sobriety groups I belong to on Facebook. So I'll see these people and they'll be posting about, oh, I'm three weeks and they expect this major transformation. Like everything's fixed and it just doesn't get fixed that soon. Like people with alcohol will go to sugar. It hits your brain in the same dopamine pathway. So uh, that's one of the most common things I'll see comments on that and your weight. So people think, oh, I stopped drinking. I'm going to lose all this weight. Well, some people don't. Your body has to go through this whole reset. But don't be so hard on yourself about those things. If you need to go eat an entire bag of candy to not go drink, eat the daggone bag of candy and don't worry about that you're six weeks into this. You may still be eating that bag of candy in six months, but you're still sober. I mean, I really struggled with the candy thing and I just had to be like, I know this sugar consumption is horrific for my body, but how horrific was the alcohol? I mean, really, let's Mm -hmm. take our, our point here. Take what are we really trying to fight? We can't fight it all at the same time. And I feel so bad when I see people that are that hard on themselves with an unrealistic timeline of recovery and then you see one of them relapse and I think if they just took the pressure off about gosh I haven't lost any weight yet or Mm -hmm. I'm eating all the sugar and I need to stop the sugar oh oh my gosh I need to go exercise whatever the additional pressure is that you're putting on yourself it's just not worth it if it compromises you staying clean or sober that's key I think a lot of people play that head game. And I think society also looks at people who have used and almost puts out that expectation. I mean, I kind of felt it myself. Not that anybody say, says it really to you, but you get from general public that doesn't have a problem, this feeling of, oh, well, you don't drink anymore. You should be fine. But it, you have to kind of rebuild your whole life. So if every evening I would come home and start drinking at four o'clock when I got home and drink till nine o'clock at night, well, I now have to find and recreate my life in that five hour time window in a whole new way. And you don't figure out how to do that. You know, I mean, you can compare it to weight. If you put on 20, 30 pounds, you didn't put it on in 30 days. You're not going to take it off in 30 days. So if you decided to get sober, you're not going to fix everything in 30 days. Think about how long you used, and hopefully you can turn around faster than the length of period you were using. Um, but I just, I hope anybody listening that's struggling, just don't be so hard on yourself and know it's a long time. Here I am at 628 days, 
And probably three days ago, I stopped in the Dollar General and bought an eight ounce bag of those darn cherry slice, orange slice, <laughs> like the sugar coated with sugar. And I ate the whole bag until my stomach was sick. But I just was like, this is what I need to cope right now. Is it sugar? True. Truly. Mm-hmm. It is sugar that you need. Well, at, at that point in time, I don't know. Maybe I could have drove to Dunkin' Donuts and treated myself to a coffee somebody made other than me. But, no, but I mean, at like, that moment, withdrawal from alcohol creates the need for sugar. Well, it, is that, I, don't, I don't know if that's exactly the scientific okay. way, but sh- relating to the dopamine, your body responds to sugar in the same way as alcohol i think because alcohol actually contains so much sugar that the dopamine pathways respond the same so especially in the earlier times in your sobriety the pathway in your brain and how dopamine behaves is all messed up i don't remember how to explain all that because i'm not a doctor but if you think about going down a path with, I don't know, your motorcycle in the dirt path. So you've gone the same path through the woods for 20 years. There's ruts in this path. There's no weeds. The rocks are all gone. It's smooth. It's worn down. Well, now you're taking a new path through the woods and there's saplings and brush and there's briars and there's big rocks and Now you're trying to figure out how to navigate all that. Like that's what your brain is doing. You're now trying to Mm -hmm. fight all these different things and figure out this whole new trail. And it's not all worn out and you're, Mm -hmm. it's easier to walk on that trail. That's all worn down and smooth than it is to go fight through those briars and saplings. So the sugar makes sense. That's perfect. Yeah. So the sugar kind of, I think a lot of people, no matter what they're trying to quit, use some kind of candy or sugar to replace. And then that sugar gives you that same feeling that the alcohol would do. I I just asked that question because there's a, a person that I'm friends with that will be 60 days, I think 60 days in a couple days. No, not 60 days, six months in a few days. And he eats a lot of chewy candy, those fruit snacks. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I feel for him. Tell him, keep eating them for now. It's all good. Well, it's it's something to occupy your hands, your mind, and your mouth. Uh, You know, people that try to quit smoking use gum a lot. Um, Sunflower seeds. Yeah, sunflower seeds. uh, Anything to try to distract you from doing whatever your vice is and you know i i talked to a a friend of mine who's in aa been recovered for many years and same thing with way mary's saying about don't give up you know work as hard as you can but i was explaining to him and i and i don't even know what i was trying to say I think I was trying to congratulate him on his sobriety because it's been multiple years. And I said to him that, well, Mary's only only been sober for a year. 
And boy, did he look at me disgusted. He said, don't say that. He said, it's not really about that. Every day is a good day. And I was like, I was only trying to say <laughs> that oh, you've been doing this for 10 years and Mary's been doing it. And I said, only. But that, I, I, if I just said a year, he'd yeah. have been okay with it. Yep. But I said only a year, and he was like, oh, don't say that. She's, you're, you know, a year is good, no matter what, whether, whether it's 60 days, 30 days, one day, it's good. Yep. I want to visit for a minute what Ross was saying about working hard. You know, we all think in our culture, working hard is you know, we're active and we're doing, you know, recovery, who knows, you're going to go run a mile or we're going to read a book or, or eat healthy, whatever this is. But sometimes the working hard is to sit your butt down and take a break. Mm -hmm. And that was really different for me to wrap my head around. Like, I, I just need to sit down at three o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm and have a cup of tea or if I come home and I'm feeling spent let's let's just go take a shower before we do the next thing it or the working hard is sometimes not doing anything I like that <laughs> yeah um well and, that, because, and that's part of it yeah because if you didn't do that then that leads down to the the path of we're triggered yeah frustration mm -hmm. angry uh, I'm tired, I'm irritated. And so how do I fix that? Okay, let's drink. Well, now you don't have that anymore. So I actually thought you were going to say working hard was not just physical work. It's mental work. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's probably the more work than anything is the mental aspect of this, of how you have to as Mary said, that was a great analogy about the motorcycle path in the woods. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, you were going down this path that was easy for many years, and now you got to go down the the one that's a little rocky and brambly, and uh, trying to learn that and retrain your mind is, is huge. It is big, really big. Oh, no, I think it's important, like. To the point that you wanted to bring across today, it doesn't happen right away. No. And sometimes, just in my experience, spending time with people in different stages of recovery, I feel like at the beginning, you're trying to prove to everybody, like just in my opinion, what I experience is you want to prove to everybody that you're doing this and you don't give yourself time to do it for you sometimes. Like after you make that announcement, I'm 10 days clean or I'm 30 days clean. Then all of a sudden, I think you put that pressure, that expectation on yourself that if I fail now, I have to tell these people that I failed again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like I think <laughs> like, it's, um, you know, my original story when I told I had quit two times before and went back and I was kind of quiet those other times. Mm-hmm. And this time I had decided I was going to tell some people that this is what I was doing, which really helped because then it makes it easier to reach out mm -hmm. to people to help you be successful. And 
through the journey, I've had to decide like, how much am I going to tell people? And even when I came on here the first time I was scared to death because now publicly anybody can hear what I'm going to say. And is this going to cause a problem for me professionally? Are there friends and family that are going to hear things that they're going to be shocked about that they never knew? And you know, even today, I still kind of struggle with, oh my God, what are other people going to think? I had an incident where one of my clients had requested to friend me on Facebook. And I was like, oh, I just don't know. I just like, I, I've thought about it for two days. I wasn't sure I wanted her to know that much about me. I just wanted to be the hired help. You know? yeah. <laughs> and, um, I finally, cause I, I, my stuff's not private. So she had seen it already. I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. And then reminded myself that when I decided to do this journey, I decided I was going to recover out loud, essentially like, mm -hmm. this is who I am. I hid so much while I was drinking. So many people were surprised that I even had a problem because I, I hid it tremendously well, other than, I mean, Ross lived with me, so he saw it every day, but there's even times I know he did not know how much I had consumed because I could hide even that, but you still have that stigma kind of following you around a little bit. And at the same time, when you do lay it out there, the accountability can help as well as the support from the other people. I mean, I, there's nobody that I've reached out to and said, Oh, well, you're having a bad day. Just go get a glass of wine. Nobody said that. <laughs> nobody. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, I think if you think back though, people told you you had to have a support system. And I think at first you were a little reluctant and, uh, I think that's a good point to bring across today as well. And Mary, you can certainly speak to it as how important this support system is. And I think if you would also speak about some of the reactions you've been getting lately from your posts. Okay. Um, I'll start on the post first. Then you might have to <laughs> remind me what the other one was. Um, well, the, the first one was about the support, right? the support group. And you were a little hesitant and that's what you've been speaking about just now is you have accepted that it's good to have a good support system. So, right. I, I mean, um, I'm a pretty independent person, independent spirit. Like, mm -hmm. I don't really ask for a lot of help in my life. I figure out how to do it on my own. I think sometimes I worry Ross. <laughs> he may not be needed or something, but <laughs> I still need my dryer fix and things, but, yeah. um, so it made it kind of the other two times that I quit. I'm like, Oh, I, I got this. I can do this on my own. I got this. And you know, I've been in therapy for, over 10 years now, um, therapy, if you get the right therapist and you really open up to it and 
work it. It's amazing. But, you know, she had stressed that you need people to support you. And there were friends. I'm very fortunate. I have a lot of friends (laughs) and it does take work to maintain friendships. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of my friends weren't really drinking friends, which was kind of interesting too. Um, but reaching out to them and talking about what I'm struggling with and, um, and I have one friend, she's like, anytime you, I don't care, call me. <laughs> um, she was very supportive in the beginning, but it, I don't always reach out to the same person every time I'm having trouble. And then sometimes I don't necessarily want to reach out to a person I know and the Facebook groups, and I'm sure they all have a presence on Instagram as well. Um, but those groups you go on and they're closed groups. So the whole rest of the world can't see them. And it's people that are experiencing the exact same things you are. And they're all over the world. So you can put something on there. And several times I have reached out, um, specifically ones, just women, I'm sure they have just men groups as well, but, um, and the, the responses come almost instantly and you'll get multiple responses and some of it's suggestions, some of it's just sympathy, some of it's encouragement is just, um, tremendous, but having that has been crucial and I'm so fortunate that I've managed to develop all that. But again, that's part of the work. Mm-hmm. And one of the, I see one of the simplest ways, and sometimes it seems a, a little silly or a little odd to be posting, oh, I made it 600 days. But if you look at the responses from the people, everybody's encouraging. Everybody says, way to go, congratulations. And, you know, Mary said, some of the her support group were people that didn't drink but there's also people on there that support her that are pretty heavy drinkers as well yeah yeah and and they say way to go mary and congratulations and so out of that out of doing those posts here lately what have you found coming back your way Um, all right one other thing on support i am extremely fortunate that i have a incredibly supportive husband because I, I do see women in the groups posting about problems with their husbands and husbands are still heavily usually and they're not encouraging. And I see the ones that go through their marriages don't make it when they get sober, which that was a concern I had because drinking had always been part of our Mm -hmm. relationship. But, um, just wanted to throw that in. So thank you, Ross. You're welcome. That's awesome. Um, I have gotten probably in the last four to six months, some really touching feedback, um, either text message, a lot of it was privately, um, four in particular, people telling me what an encouragement I am to them and that they see what I'm doing and I am motivating them to make changes. And I was like, what? 
what? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm like just doing this for me so I can be better and I can live a better life, not just a better life, to live my best life. I mean, I found this little framed picture in the dollar store and it said, live your best life. You know, it's like five bucks, bought it, hung it in my office. And I look at that every day and I'm like, yeah, what can I do that's going to be living my best life? Not, not just we're cruising through. All the cruising through is not bad, but what's going to make my day good? What am I going to feel good about? And I never, back to the training women to take care of everybody, I never thought about that. What's going to make me feel good today? So um, after fighting all of these battles, that I feel like the battles are getting to be smaller. They were monstrosities. And then they got to be giants. And then they were maybe, I don't know, mountains. But I feel like the battles are now much more the size of a mouse or a rabbit. They're not as big. And at the same time, my skills and my toolbox of everything that I've managed to work on to help me to get better just you know, mentally and fighting the, um, the addiction has gotten larger. So it's kind of like, what do they call that? The pendulum the scale, the scale. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, the bad ones gotten way smaller and the good ones getting bigger and the good ones didn't get bigger overnight either. That took a lot, you know, it could be, I started with simple things like, let's just get dressed nice today. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, it could have been that it could have been, Oh, I think I'm just going to go treat myself to a coffee somewhere. You know, these little things that I would do, I'm going to buy a book. I'm going to buy this book and read it that I wanted. Um, well, another good example, and I think this is good to touch on as well in this vein, is if you would talk about how you felt about going to certain functions and how you feel now. Like if you were going to a wedding. Yeah. All right. Let me come back to that because I want to kind of finish the thread I was on about, um, you know, I did these things little by little and, and things would change too. Like maybe I don't want to go get a coffee today. Maybe instead I want to go take a walk or I want to go, let's, let's do yoga again. I used to do yoga. Yoga is really different sober. Let me tell you, <laughs> <laughs> like it really works. <laughs> So you're finding you can still do things you did with the alcohol in your system without the alcohol and enjoy it even oh, yeah. more. Yeah. I used to, I'd go to a yoga class. I'd be hung over or whatever. And I'd be like, what do these people get out of yoga? <laughs> I mean, I know that it's helping my back. Uh, for those that don't know, I did have back surgery about three and a half years ago and it was a life changing experience. Um, also forcing you to take better care. So I knew that from all of that, that all oh, the yoga is going to help my strength. And, but all these people talk about the mental and I'm like, I just don't get that. Well, no wonder every time I went in there, my brain was in a fall. <laughs> so, but, um, 
So I've incorporated that back into my life. And for years off and on, I go through phases where I walk and then I wouldn't walk it too busy because I couldn't manage my schedule to have time to walk. <laughs> and, uh, but I slowly incorporated those things back in and new things that I had wanted to do for my life, like sketching and watercolors. And then my sister got me into this thing called junk journaling, which I, I think often about people that are trying to find something to do with their hands during their triggering time that don't, that aren't creative and don't have monetary resources, junk journaling works. You can take a magazine and cut it up. You can take your junk mail and cut it up and start to get like creative Creative. with things that you don't have to pay any money for. So, um, sidetrack there, but the path of getting better just keeps getting better. You know, I got out and I started walking and then it was at the yoga and I just recently added a Pilates. I never did Pilates. I thought Pilates was like yoga. Well, no, (laughs) it's like real workout. Um, But I just keep feeling better and better. And, and I didn't lose weight right away when I stopped drinking, maybe a little. And then I just like stalled. As of today, I've lost 26 pounds since I quit drinking. That's awesome. Like, I just feel great, and you feel good, and then the sugar's not so tempting because you're feeling so good. You want to go eat a salad, or we're going to eat an apple instead, or a handful of raisins. You know, it just, just, like, I want everybody to feel as good as I've gotten to feel. (laughs) That's exciting. Get on board with it. and I think through your posts, you're sharing that energy and you don't even realize who you're helping because you're helping yourself and you want to share your experience and other people are hearing and seeing that positive. Well, that's the feedback that I was talking about yeah. that I'm getting, that I'm inspiring these people. And I'm like, ah, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I go back to what Ross was talking about in social gatherings which I know is a struggle for everyone because you you have this group of friends that you were with the whole time you're using and you're heavily involved with them. And some of those friends you may keep, none of those friends you may keep. You just don't know. It depends like where the connection is. Some of them you may not be as close to as you were before, but they're still in your life. So, And then you're going to have like your sober friends, so to speak, that are new friends that are in your journey. And, um, before you go on, do you have to give those friends up, those drinking friends? Um, not all of them. There were some that like, that was all our relationship was about. If the only thing your relationship was about was using you didn't really have a friendship anyway. Okay. So the people I still have friendships with that I also would drink with, they respect my decision and we have something more substantive in our connection. Okay. So, um, it's almost a picking and choosing, but it, it, it's kind of a natural development. You don't even have to say, Oh, I can't friend, Jackie anymore because 
all we ever did was do shots together. You know, okay. <laughs> you're not going to know. Jackie could be the one that comes out and and says, "God, you're doing great. I love this," and and touches base with you every other day. And then mm-hmm. you know, your sober friend that's in AA ends up being your worst supporting person ever, and you least expect that. You just don't know. It's like a natural progression and okay just don't fight it (laughs) but don't hang out with somebody that you know you're going to be tempted to use either because that's not worth it you know or divert it to a different thing go have a picnic on the river instead of sitting at the bar whatever but I think that okay there's no set answer on that so social events they're very tricky in the beginning flat out (laughs) it's tough and in reality especially if it's a partying event we ride motorcycles we both have harleys we've hung with a lot of harley people um the ones we hung with some of them are very big drinkers big partiers and there was actually a club we belonged to that we've since we did not renew our membership because it's too triggering of a situation for me to be in Mm -hmm. because they'd all get together and that was the deal we drank at the club meetings we drank at the clubhouse we ride to a bar and we drink we ride to the next bar and we drink and i'm like i can't do that i just can't do that and there were i didn't feel like i had any other connection with 98% of the people there, you know, there's a couple that we're still um, in contact with frequently that, and she's very supportive and so is he, but that had to be a big change. And that was a social decision that that's an entire club, something we participated in year round that I said that that one's got to go. And then you look at other social things, like somebody's going to have a campfire and it's early on. Well, you know, maybe you don't want to go to that campfire early on, but six months later, you might be okay with that campfire. Or you might bring like, I'll call it your toolkit to the campfire. Um, if you always have a drink in your hand, nobody's going to say, can I get you a drink? Even if it's a glass of water and they don't know what it is mm-hmm. inside your cup. Um, or you take your own favorite beverage there the fever treat tonic water (laughs) (laughs) or other non-alcoholic whatever but know when you're going to that event I need to be prepared and if you need to leave just leave honestly people don't care at the end of the day they don't care and I've left places and I never even said goodbye because that's what I needed to do for me Mm -hmm. And I don't know, maybe one or two people might go, huh, did you see Mary leave? I think she left. Oh, okay. That's about as far as it's going to go. If an event is causing you anxiety and it could trip up your sobriety, skip it. Just flat out skip it. Stay home, put your pajamas on. I don't care. It's not worth it. But it, it, there's been a lot of, I'd say mental battles as to do I go, do I not go? And you know, when you're out there drinking and socializing 
was a big part of your life, that it is a huge change. Um, and some things, I mean, it just gets easier. I would be petrified when we had to go out like the first six months I was sober. And I know there were times we didn't go. And then it got a little easier. I discovered my toolkit to take along. And sometimes we would just say, we're leaving. Event, like dinner at mm-hmm. six or something. Uh, we're leaving by nine o'clock. And I'm really good at getting us out of there. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, nine o'clock. He's not ready to leave. But I'm like, we're leaving. I need to go. Uh, um I'm not so bad with that stuff now. I do have to kind of go through mental exercises and just prepare myself. What am I going to do if there's a lot of drinking at this event? If there's out of hand drinking at this event? I've had things like my Kindle in my pocketbook. Mm -hmm. So that if I've just had enough, I'm going to go find some other room and sit down and read especially family events they're a little harder to duck out of (laughs) um and then upcoming we have a wedding for one of our children that's in a month and it's for our son and our future daughter-in-law she actually invited me to come into the bride suite and get my hair and my makeup done with a whole bridal party I was honored Mm -hmm. and originally I said yes it was great and I started thinking about the amount of drinking that will go on in that bridal suite while everybody's getting ready. And I decided I couldn't do it. So I, the wedding situation would be triggering enough that to go into the bridal suite on top of that might be enough that I couldn't take it. So I had to tell her that I couldn't do that. That was tough, but I had to draw that line. That's a really huge event. Mm -hmm. and as far as I can tell she respects me for it I hope (laughs) (laughs) well you gotta do what's right for you and do you think there's a fine line between doing what's right for you and um I just lost my train of thought well trying to please others probably I mean that's I, I I think that's part of what what happens when you quit drinking is uh yeah it's just that stigmatism of quitting drinking and but it's kind of weird how you know mary said something about the campfire but most of the people that we would go to something like that we know and they know mary's situation and to be honest with you i'm really surprised at how respectful everybody's been Mm -hmm. and i don't know if i agree with this but there's some people in our lives that have altered their their behaviors when they come around us. <laughs> I was going to ask that yeah. question. Yeah. That does happen. Like it's it's awkward for them. Uh, it is. It really is. They're they're afraid to drink in front of Mary. And you know, it's it's kind of weird because if Mary was drinking, you wouldn't have no you wouldn't have any problem mm-hmm. with with drinking. Well, I don't know that they're afraid to do like one couple I know in particular that was at our house for an event um I had noticed she wasn't drinking and I I said something to her and she's like oh 
that was out of respect for you. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think she was uncomfortable with the situation because she doesn't have a problem drinking. Well, it's so... we don't think she does. But <laughs> I still, I, yeah, I get it. They, they do say that. But on the other hand, it has to make them feel uncomfortable. I, look, your father quit drinking. And when he would come to our house, I always felt uncomfortable drinking around him because now he's going to be looking down on me because he mm-hmm. quit and and that's bad so well, I, I know it happens i think and this ties back to stigma um you can't judge where somebody else is in their relationship with alcohol and even though the fda or whoever it is has these guidelines that say you shouldn't be over X amount of drinks per week or whatever. Um, that's oftentimes not the reality of what happens out there. And even though you're exceeding FDA limits, maybe you don't have a problem. And that's only for that person to decide. Mm-hmm. And you can't judge them. And I think when you sit in my seat, so to speak, I understand that more than anybody else. So I may see somebody that's getting severely intoxicated, but they may have no trouble. They may do that once. And it's not, I mean, the definition of trouble is when it's affecting your life in a negative way. If that person can drink that way and their life is still going on and they're happy as can be and everything's great, God bless them. They don't have a problem with it. You know, my life was getting ready to fall off a cliff if I didn't do something. Mm -hmm. So, um, and that's when, you know, you have a problem, but I can't sit there and say, oh my God, they're drinking so much. They have a problem. It's not my place. It's not, I can't figure that out for them. That's powerful. Yeah. But yeah, I, I agree. I get uncomfortable. I mean, we just talked to Austin, went to a wedding last week, and people know that we do this silencing of stigma. Does that mean when we're out in public, we should not have a drink because we sit here and talk about people yeah. in recovery? I mean, it's to the point where people literally look, and, and I get uncomfortable sometimes with, I, I don't drink, but I don't drink not because I do silencing a stigma or I, I don't have a problem with people drinking. I just don't drink. But I know that if I went out and I was with someone that was in recovery and I wanted to drink, I would not, I would not drink out of respect for that person. But, and people act different. People act different when you say I'm not drinking, especially when they know you as a drinker and they offer you that drink and you're like, I don't drink anymore. So do you say I don't drink anymore? Or do you just say no, thank you? I think there's so many people that know that I don't drink that nobody they don't even, they don't even offer because I've adopted the recover out loud. So it kind of just cuts to the chase that there's no issue with the offer drink. But it, the biggest trick as far as avoiding being offered a drink, it's just have one in your hand already, <laughs> you know, bring your own cooler to the party <laughs> and then you avoid even having to say, no, I don't drink or anything else. Or don't even say, no, I don't drink. Just say, I brought um, my own. Well, you could say, Just, sure, I'd like a Diet Pepsi. 
or whatever it is. No, you know? thank you worked pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Austin has a book out. Well, I was I had some things to talk about, but you guys already covered most of them, so that's cool. Well, what did they cover? But uh, I had this. You guys were kind of talking about it. So you're how many days clean? Six twenty-eight. Everybody says good job, um, like say good job, congratulations for being that clean. So when you go back to childhood, wh- when we got grades, good grades, what'd you say? Like we got great good, job. We, great job. But what we discount is is the qualities and the things that we had to do to get there. And I think we kind of touched on that. But this book talks about how um, there's a story and uh, I wrote down here that we fail to recognize the work and the perseverance behind the achievement. So like I'm saying, like people say congratulations for this many days clean, but they don't appreciate and they don't realize the work and the effort that took to get to that point. The days, the day after day after day of just getting through that day. So there's a, in this book, it's called Think Like a Monk. And I was going through it this morning and it fits this podcast perfectly. <laughs> and it's about a story about Picasso and you like painting. So Picasso was a painter, right? Yeah. Okay. He was also crazy. <laughs> <laughs> we won't relate that to you, but there's a, there's a story about Picasso that perfectly illustrates how we fail to recognize the work and perseverance behind achievement. As the tale goes, a woman sees Picasso in a market. She goes up to him and says, would you mind drawing something for me? Sure, he says. 30 seconds later, hands her a remarkably beautiful little sketch. That will be $30,000, he says. But Mr. Picasso, the woman says, how can you charge so much? The drawing only took you 30 seconds. And Picasso says, it took me 30 years. Oh, yeah. That is really good. So it's it's the work that you put in. It's the the hard work every day. But that also leads to the building. Yeah. You know, if you read between the lines, the building that it takes over time to get where the you journey, are. Journey. Yeah. And uh, you know, talking about the work. Actually, I made a decision today that was kind of extreme. It's Saturday. I wanted to make sure I got my walk in today because <laughs> <laughs> the way our schedule was when I looked at it last night, I'm like, oh. Um, I made the decision to set my alarm on Saturday morning for 5 a.m. so I could get up and do my walk. Well, I have to have a coffee, cup of coffee first. <laughs> so it's 5.30 before I was out the door. <laughs> I tell you what, it was so worth it. I did a little over three miles, which is pretty average for me. And um, it was beautiful. Headed out in the dark with the dog, heard the screech owls, saw some deer, went from black to seeing the little bit of the glow, the sunrise, the moon was still out there. Mm-hmm. I was like so glad I did that. It's better than walking during the week because during the week you got everybody going to work. I had one vehicle and we were out a little over an hour that went by the whole time. I was so thankful I made the decision to do that work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even living with Mary, I mean, one of the things I thought about before we came here today is just that she's almost made it seem easy. And I know it hasn't been, but, um, you know, if you were to ask me what I've observed, uh, yeah, there are struggles, but again, that's where it's a lot of mental stuff. And sometimes the mental stuff doesn't show. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but she's done a great job. I'm very proud of her. Um, it's uh, it's been a long road, but it's been worth it. You know, yeah. There there are so many different things to tackle when you start going down the different pathway. Um, you know. Mary equated alcohol to having fun. Like, okay, the alcohol's gone, so is the fun. And that's been a struggle to try to fill that hole. I mean, I can tell you the truth. My One of my most favorite things to do was to just say the heck with it on a Saturday midday. And we would go to a winery and buy a bottle of wine and we'd sit out there on their property in a gazebo or something with a bottle of wine and crackers and cheese and whatever and just really enjoy the scenery. Most of the wineries are at beautiful places and I don't know that we've found that substitute yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we do a lot of motorcycle riding and that's great. Uh, and we just need to learn more. We have to learn more about how to occupy our time without alcohol because it really is a huge, everywhere you go, everywhere you go, that's the focus. You can almost look at it as the, um, they're drug pushers, so to speak, mm-hmm. the advertising and the sales and the marketing. And it, it's, pretty crazy and, and i think of that when you say that because rudders has it the gas oh. stations have it's Do you know so how hard i that can't makes even it? imagine i can't even imagine and this same individual that's going through um recovery who it was probably not long after everybody knows i have this addition addiction to cake and and he has alcohol and we literally walked into this weiss grocery store first thing you said and to the left was his alcohol and to the right was, was my cake yeah. and i'm like we are in trouble <laughs> like we literally are walking through our demons right now right. both of us together and i often when i go down cape horn road to come home and i see that rudders with the beer specials and stuff i think that's absolutely ridiculous how convenient they're making alcohol today yeah. do you know when i first stopped the only place I could go to the grocery store was Aldi and Jerry's. Yeah. Because everywhere else had the alcohol. And it was too hard for me to walk past the whole alcohol display area. And people say, just don't look. That that doesn't cut it. You just don't <laughs> Darn look. Like, yeah. Near you, impossible. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I stopped the other day, uh, a couple of weeks ago at... Uh, one of the rudders, I wanted to get a cup of coffee and I didn't realize the door that I walked through is lined with alcohol on both sides as I'm trying to walk through to get my coffee. I now know at that rudders to go in the door on the other side, <laughs> but it, it, yeah, it, it doesn't make it any easier, mm-hmm. but at the same point, like the state is trying to control the alcohol use problem, so to speak. And yet they throw it out there everywhere because they're trying to collect the tax revenue. It's mm-hmm. like such a it's dichotomy, a negative dichotomy. But, but um, the no- average person who doesn't know about addiction or anything at all, 
that's that's great. You know, mm-hmm. even if you don't drink, that's great. That makes it more convenient for people. And then people that are involved and have that struggle have to deal with that. Yeah, everybody's got that type of story, I guess. And, and we never know what everybody's thinking mm-hmm. out there on the street. Uh, I remember uh, a good friend of mine was killed in an automobile accident. And his wife, it was... was you know, in September, so Halloween came around, and it was still pretty fresh in everybody's mind, and all she kept seeing were Halloween things rip, you know, yes. tombstones, and she was offended, you know, she was like, how how could they do this, you know, mm-hmm. how could, you know, people post this kind of thing, and, and that just goes to show you, you don't know what everybody in the world's going through, and what is could be offensive or upsetting mm-hmm. to certain people. And you're right, whether it's alcohol on both sides, cake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the sugar and candies where Pennsylvania is a snack capital of the world. <laughs> and, uh, you know, who knows that the, the poor folks that are, you know, using intravenous drugs and, you know, when they go different places and they see stuff on the wall or uh in the in the you know down the toothbrush aisle and there's all kinds of different things there it it, it it's it's triggers for them as well and, and we don't know it we just you see everybody walking around you think everybody's cool but there's a lot of things going on mm-hmm. it's funny you said that because i i just was speaking to someone who used heroin and injected and they said all the shots for the COVID, yeah. the pictures yeah. of the needles, of the syringes sure. for the COVID shot is a trigger and they can't get away from it. And Oh, I never thought you, about we, that. We normally would never think of that. And when this girl shared this with me, I was like, I never would have guessed that that's a trigger for her. Yeah. And you're seeing it on signs. And on the news. On the news. And, but yeah, literally going into the doctor's office, like the advertisement, the CVSs have that picture of that syringe and that's a trigger. Yeah. Wow. Just to your point, that just goes to show we have yeah. no idea what right. What bothers people. So awareness. Yep. Austin, what else do you have? That's it for me. That was very interesting, though, what you read, because you're right. Very quickly, people will respond, great, great, great. But did they really take a minute before they responded to you to think what it took to get to that point? They're happy that you got to that day, but do they realize what it took to get to that day? Would it make you feel better if someone complimented you on your hard work, your effort daily, rather than saying, hey, congratulations? Mm. I think just any acknowledgments appreciated. I'm not going to be picky about it. <laughs> and I think some of the things that I share on Facebook do show the work that I'm doing. Yeah. You know, when I post the sunrise. At <laughs> I saw that. I saw your sunrise. <laughs> I know. I wanted to post my stats too, but I had a problem that the Under Armour tracker wouldn't. Yeah. it wasn't saving and then I couldn't add the picture and then I couldn't share it. And I was like, all right, all I got is the sunrise. Um, but you know, I share that and I share some of the creative endeavors. Creativity is a big part of recovery. I don't think people talk about that enough. 
because you start, you need something to do. And I don't, you know, no matter what it is, whether you pick up wood burning or origami or knitting or whatever, uh, you need an alternative. That's something you can do every day. There's only like so much TV and so many books you can read. Um, trying to find something like that and leaving yourself open to a new experience in our mission to find new fun. We've definitely had to say, oh, okay, well, let's go try this. We never did this before. Mm -hmm. Or, all right, let's go check out this new hiking area. Or, you know, that you have to leave yourself open to explore something. I've never thrown a Frisbee before. Let's go get a Frisbee. <laughs> you know, just <laughs> try something. Because once you take the alcohol out of your life, you really can do anything. Awesome. Yeah, I think that's just a, a problem in America in general. Because people don't have enough to do. I mean, uh, there's so many people that live in places that everything's taken care of. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether it's the gardens, the grass, if the gutter breaks, you call somebody. And, it, and I think that's why Mary and I really are. That's why we're so busy. It's because... I'm an outdoorsman. I like doing things outside and I'm always busy and I can't just imagine, uh, people just sitting in the house all day watching TV. And, you know, if you're addicted to something that just feeds it. Yes. You, you know, what do they say? Idle hands do something. Well, I guess that's get you in trouble. Part of the, um, <laughs> what I'm talking about with the creativity part, if you can find even the adult coloring books and any of that kind of stuff can help in your recovery. And yeah, you got to find something to do. Yeah, you got to replace the alcohol or drugs or whatever your vice is with activity. And, and in that itself, if you're a homebody and like to just sit on the couch and watch the news or movies, that that'll be a struggle in itself. But Play solitaire. I mean, you got to think outside the box too. And YouTube makes it really easy. Like, let's just say you wanted to learn wood burning. Put it out there on a YouTube search and you're going to find beginner wood burning. And they're going to tell you like everything you need to know. And you don't want to wood burn. You want to knit. It's out there. Yeah, <laughs> you know? It really is. I mean, it, it, that part makes it easy and it's really easy. Type those couple words in the search bar. Yep. Find it. And you're on your way. Yep. Well, I appreciate you coming. Is there anything else you want to share? You gave us some really good key points. I, I'm excited for you and I know the work that you, I didn't experience it. I don't have alcohol addiction, but from stories and seeing the difference between the first one and now this one. Like, I I'm just, excited that you came back because it just gives people that think I can't do this the hope that, yes, I can. I, I just can't stress enough and not to be repetitive, but realistic time frames give yourself the space, the timeline, 
and I struggled with it myself, but you have to, don't be so hard on yourself. Mm -hmm. Don't expect that your whole body is going to be reset in 30 days or whatever unrealistic time frame you put on it. Take the time to heal, take the time to learn new things. I'm still learning. And right now that I've made it to this other side, it's amazing. The two other times that I had quit and went back, I never got to the point that I could feel this way. And I went a hundred days. I wasn't even close to how good I feel now. Like I have goosebumps right I now. I just had goosebumps about five or six <laughs> times through this whole podcast. <laughs> like all I can do is encourage anybody to stay the course, do something different and don't be so hard on yourself. If you need to take a nap, take a nap. If you want to take a piece of paper and just cut it into a million pieces with the scissors because you're aggravated, do that. Mm -hmm. Like <laughs> Shift your focus. Yeah, you know, and don't worry if you haven't lost weight yet or you just ate the bag of sugar and you're nine months in. It'll come. Yep. It'll come. Just do what it takes not to use or drink. Awesome. Thanks, Mary. I'm sure this podcast will help some people for sure that I, have questions. Anybody can reach out to me that is stuck. I'll throw some ideas your way. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Anything else? Well, thanks appreciate again you guys. for coming. Yeah, appreciate you guys coming. Keep thanks putting in that hard us. work. Yep. Thank and you. Yep. Thanks for having us and keep doing what you're we'll doing. Back. Yeah. Yep, we can come back. We got to get on to your topic. Uh, we never really clearly got onto that topic. You're right. So, it's all right. We will. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, he decided to stay with his sober wife. <laughs> <laughs> Even gave up motorcycle racing today. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm no. so proud of him. Oh. He had to make a decision whether to come here with me or go with his son to motorcycle race. Where's that at? Um... Local? No, it's a Sandy Hook. It's down in Hartford County, Maryland. Oh, okay. Sandy Hook Speedway. Well, get down there now. I know. We might get ride. finished and take a ride. They yeah. got their bikes today. Yeah. Well, thanks, guys. And for all you listeners, we'll catch you on the next one. See you. Bye. Bye.